Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, it's Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church. It's great to have you with us again for another one of these sessions that we call Grow. And I've heard so much feedback from so many people about previous ones where they've talked to me about how practical they've been and how inspiring they've been and how it's helped them to grow as a person. That's the point of all of these, of course. I want you to know as well that you're always welcome here at Metro. You know, the last couple of months, we've seen so many people are reconnecting with God, reconnecting with church. I know just last week, I spoke to at least three people who said to me, I don't know, I just felt like God was prompting me that I needed to come back. I want you to know that if you do, you're going to just find a great welcome. It's not about pressure. We really just want to embrace you and help you just get started again on the journey with Christ that I know He's got planned for you. I also want to thank and honour every single one of you that is continuing to give and to bring your giving into the life of God's kingdom. I think it's always such an important thing. Um, I believe that one of the greatest joys I've ever had in life is to become someone who wasn't on the receiving end all of the time but saw God build their life to the point where now they can be a part of the answer for other people. I think it's a great joy. And I know that every single one of you that is bringing your tithes and your offerings into this house of God, I know that you are responsible for seeing so many people come to Christ and so many lives get changed and helped. And we never want this to be just a kind of like a throwaway moment. For me, it's an important thing that each time we gather together, we honour your giving And we pray over it. I believe it's a seed. It's a spiritual seed and a natural one. And so we're going to ask God to multiply it back into your life, just like the Bible promises. Luke 6.38, Jesus said, Given it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together. Men are going to press back into your life. So can we just pray over your giving right now? Heavenly Father, thank you for the faithfulness of your people. God, we live in a world that has so discounted you from so many areas that has almost tried to shrink you to just the space of some tiny corner of our mind. And yet, God, you want to be far bigger than all of that. You want to be a part of every part of our life. You want to be a part of our work life. You want to be a part of our relationships. You certainly want to be a part of our financial life. And so, Lord, we welcome in at the beginning of this growth session as well. Would you lighten our minds? Will you give us insight into the way you do things? Will you give uh, us faith, Lord, so that we can step out and believe that you're going to help us in every area of life? Father, I pray for those that maybe don't even know you yet. And this tonight will be the beginning of their journey with you. We thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Let your blessing be upon every giver, Lord. Amen and amen. So as I saying, this is our growth session. You'll remember last month, uh, we had Peter Gomb, and guess what? Here he is again, Peter. Great to have you here. Thank you for all the wisdom that you bring in such practical areas because we all know that money is a source or, or finance can be a source of great confusion for a lot of people, which is why I'm particularly excited that in this session, I've invited three of our phenomenal young adults, young leaders who are starting out in not only their uh, their adult life, if I can say that, but they're starting out in their financial life or financial responsibility. And so I want to introduce them to you. 
on my left here, first of all, Gabby Partha. Hi, Gabby. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great to see you here. Just for those of you who may not know, Gabby's done two years of a law degree, but then's deferred this year. And he and I had a bit of a chat about that. Just not really certain as to the clarity of direction for where you're meant to go. And so you've taken this year and for the first time in a while, I'm guessing you're earning enough money to be able to pay for dinner with your parents, I hear. Yeah, that's right. I've <laughs> paid for them a couple of times. No, I joke. Uh, a couple of times, yeah. No, it's yeah. been good. I heard the story about I heard how thrilled you were to be in a position where you didn't have to, you know, wait for someone else to pay, but you were there saying, I'm going to take yeah. care of this. It's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. Yeah, I'll bet it is. And then on your left is Liz Schofield. Hi, Liz. How you doing? Good, thank you. Great to have you with us. Thank you for coming. Liz, you just finished her uh, degree in teaching and is now in her first year of teaching at a high school. Yeah. How's that going? Oh, it's a breeze. Is it? (laughs) I guess, though, as well, one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you into this space to pepper Pete with your questions is really that I kind of figure, again, you're a bit like Gabby. You've been a student, which means restricted income, working extra jobs, all the rest of that. Now they give you a pay packet every week. Must be pretty cool. Oh, it feels great. But it also broadens your horizons because, I mean, no one thinks about buying a house when you're a student probably, but now all of a sudden you start thinking about some of the big ticket items in life and how you make those decisions. So thanks for coming. And then on your left, last but certainly not least, is Danny Todd. Hi, Danny. Good evening. How are we doing? Great to have you here. Danny completed his degree in controlled systems engineering. And if you don't know what that is, join the club because I'm pretty sure most of us don't either. All I know is that four years ago you've completed, you've been in the workforce since then, and uh, we just are so thrilled to have people at different stages of life here to ask some of your questions about finance. So let's jump right in and dig in, ask Pete whatever you got. I know, um, Danny, you were asking, I think, such an important question because all of a sudden, like the three of you, you all of a sudden got a steady stream of income. Yeah, so I guess kind of the big one, especially for a lot of young people that might be just coming out of uni, coming out of school, starting to work more than they were at school or going into full-time jobs is suddenly you do have more money on your hands but may not always be consistent. Um, And I guess what are some good things we can do to build good spending habits or budgeting habits from the get-go? I know once you start getting overwhelmed, hey, I've actually got more money, I've got more options to spend it on. How do I make sure I'm doing that wisely, but still, I guess, enjoying the freedom I have? Um, What I guess some fairly basic fundamental things that you can do to, I guess, manage your budgeting and spending um, early on. So, because the other thing that goes with that too is that if you're a uni student or you're just um, fresh into the workforce, you might not have certainty of earnings. You might be in a casual role or part-time where the hours fluctuate. And, um, yeah, one week you're earning a fair bit, the next week, zip. So that can be difficult as well. But... um, I don't think it, how much you earn doesn't really determine how much you save, and you've already alluded to it, Danny. What does determine how much you're able to save is good saving habits, good spending habits. And let me give you two extreme examples. I once had some clients, well, they, they wanted to be clients, but then end up being clients who, between them, had combined income of $400,000. They're working in the resources sector, wanted to buy a house, didn't have a brass razoo. They had all the toys, but it had all the loans that went with the toys. So they had a jet ski and a jet ski loan, a um, bogomobile and a bogomobile loan, <laughs> a couple of loans from holidays. Um, and 
bad loans on everything, credit cards up to the hilt. And um, when I asked them, so what did you spend your money on? She looked like a librarian, didn't like she hit the nightclubs every night or anything. She said, ah, not really sure. We had a couple of, I think we had, we had a couple of nice holidays and that was about as precise <laughs> as she could be. $400,000, not a cracker yeah. in the bank. Wow. On the other hand, I had a, a young bloke, he hasn't bought his um, house yet, but he's looking at buying his house, been living home with mum and dad, which is what ties in with you. Um, Gabby, um, for the last uh, seven, for seven years, he from the age of fifteen, he's twenty-four now. From the age of fifteen, he worked just um, signing people to their seats at a at a cinema, just working yeah. casual and part time. And in the last two years, he joined the workforce on about fifty thousand dollars per annum. Guess how much he's got saved? More than fifty. One hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! On just casual income, and say just sitting at home, every cent goes in the bank. Clearly, doesn't pay board. And mum and dad cover the meals, clothing, washing, ironing. Happy days. That's awesome. But he's had the had the sense wow. to bank every single penny. Hundred fifty thousand. Wow. So that just shows you, no matter how little or how much you earn, it all gets down to having good habits in the first place. And so, as I covered um, in last month's session, having a budget and sticking to that budget um, is very, very important. So you're pretty much well if you're a uni student or whatever on casual income, you don't necessarily. No, but I mean, so the first 10%, you know, uh, should be going towards God and, and tithes and offerings. But then I always advocate, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to be a Harry Hardbutt here, but you, you really should be able to bless yourself and then give yourself 10%. So 10%, the next 10% go into a separate savings account. And I think this might answer one of your other questions, Gabby. So mm -hmm. you have it in a completely separate account and it might be in a, an account completely separate from your everyday account where you might, let's say your bank, your everyday accounts with ANZ, Maybe you'll stick that one with ING where you're less out of sight, out of mind, less likely to touch it. But also get a budget, go to um, a website like um, Money Smart from um, um, the government website, or most of the bank apps actually have um, budgetary um, software in there that you can use. They send you alerts. Um, each month on your monthly statement shows you what you've spent your money on, any direct debits that are coming up, um, an alert you've got to have money in your account. So it's pretty easy to see where your money's um, going to and where it's coming from. And after a while, when you, once you, if you stick to your budget, you sort of get this innate sense. You know where the money, when the money's coming in, you know what's going out, and you've got a real feel for it. So after a while, for the first two, three months, you know, think, oh, I just can't hack this anymore. But then it starts to kick in, and you really don't need the budget because you know where everything's going and what should yeah. be happening. Um, a couple of banks, ING and PN Bank are another. Where in the old days we used to have maybe a big swan gold money box about that big or something, and you put all your all your gold coins and stuff from the end of the day and you stick it in the money box, and once a quarter you take it to the poor bank Johnny who didn't see you coming, and um, and uh, he'd have to count that, he or she'd have to count that. So these days, obviously, not many people use coins, so so you can it's an electronic sort of like money box system. Yep. So with ING and PN Bank, you can have what's called a roundup. So you can nominate, you might say. Nominate uh, round up to the nearest dollar, round up to the nearest five dollars, or round up to the nearest ten dollars. So if you spend two dollars and you said round up to the nearest five, they'll take three and stick it in your separate savings account. And over time, that builds up. Um, so you can do that, and you don't even notice it. It just builds up um, big time. And then there's another um, another online sort of savings type opportunity, a bit different, and it's called I think you pronounce it raise R A I Z. And that, in that's, that's the same sort of principle. It's a roundup thing, but instead of investing into an online bank account, it actually goes into like managed funds. Yep. So it might go into buying um, shares or um, different managed funds, 
depending how risk averse, you can go super conservative, conservative, uh, neutral, aggressive or super aggressive, and it'll invest all that money. And again, it's going, um, it's being rounded up and it's being invested for you. Obviously, if you'd invested it last week and now you invest and this week you go to see the value, it might have gone down depending on your risk profile. But that's another way of saving without you even notice. It just gets taken out and you just live within your means in terms of what's in your, in your account. Mm -hmm. So that's another good way to actually um, save money. And even though your money ebbs and flows, if you're in casual work, at the end of the day, still just take reward yourself by giving yourself 10%. So some weeks, 10% might be more in dollars and cents terms than the previous week, but at least you're saving up and you're getting that good habit of saving 10%. Can I just jump in here and ask, because you three... I was going to say guys, I don't I mean that in the general sense, but um, you're obviously, all of you are now earning a lot more money than you were when you were students. How much uh, do you start thinking about major financial goals? And you can be really honest about it here. I mean, I, I, when I was a young guy way back in the olden days, uh, you know, when guys got the job, it was first job was, I'm just going to get a car and the hotter the better. And the faster, the better as well. If we just got that, that was it. Uh, you know, I mean, I think a lot of young people I speak to now are much more aware of what the future wants to look like and they're thinking about it. Is that pretty true for you guys? You're thinking about that stuff? I'd say so. I, I think especially probably past couple of months I've really thought about it. It's probably mostly because I've looked at people around me, people that are younger off and actually seeing how they've been successful and that they've been saving up, being loyal to saving up. Right. And then actually, you know, seeing the success and I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if I could get there because I've started that process now. Right. So, yeah. Wow. What about you, Liz? Um, I actually am sort of on the other end where I'm sort of, I'm earning this money, but I'm not necessarily planning ahead for the future too much at the moment because I'm just getting used to the fact that I'm earning this much money, <laughs> which, you know, it's it's still at the very bottom end of my right. career because I'm only just starting. I'm, yeah, you know, like level one, basically. But um, what I find quite interesting is that when I was growing up, I didn't really mind too much necessarily about getting a job and, mm. and earning money, whereas the students that I teach do. Right. They care yeah. so much about it. In fact, that they tell me often, Miss, I couldn't study for the test because I was working. Wow. And I'm like, right, why? <laughs> why are you earning money? Do you have bills to pay and that kind of thing? And it is quite interesting to see that even these kids who, who don't have bills, mm -hmm. who don't have responsibilities, who live at home comfortably with mum and dad, all sorted, all cared for, they're still planning ahead for the future. How much do you think things like social pressure then play into that whole space of I've got to look a certain way and that is often pretty expensive. Like, you know, I mean, you were probably, you're a bit younger than me, but there were no name brands to wear. You know, I don't want to sound like the old guy here, but now people notice stuff a lot more about that kind of thing. So you've got that, then you've got to have the latest devices. Yeah, like, gee, if you've... If someone pulls out a, some really old phone, you're like, like, what's the matter with them? You know, like, hello. Yeah. So is that a part of what you think is happening with some of the students? 100%. Wow. Uh, it's, it's a lot about appearance nowadays. 
Um, and it does come down to, you know, uh, there's quite a lot of anxiety and insecurity that is rising in the younger generation. And that's why we're trying to build a lot of resilience with them through different things. And that's, you know, obviously why the church is such an awesome movement. Um, But with finance and them wanting to earn more money, it's funny because you say that and their exact reason for earning money is to buy clothes. Wow. And you will notice that each week they have a new pair of Nikes. Mm. And I'm like, I'm on my, you know, same pair of Converse that I've had for like three years now, you know, and I'm earning enough money to probably be able to buy another pair of Converse. <laughs> but I'm just not going to do it because I don't need to, you know. Yeah, right. uh, but these these kids, you know, they're really feeling the pressure that they that they need to do that. Some of that, though, also happens, doesn't it, Peter, for older people where it becomes about the house or about the car or whatever else. It becomes a social pressure to demonstrate. And I think that comes back to the one of the core things that a couple of you have mentioned to me about the way God thinks about finance You've got to unhook some of what your, uh, your whole thinking about finances from the world. And, and, you know, as Christians, we're not there pointing the finger and going, well, that's them and we're us. But rather, when you become a Christian, God begins to address every area of your life. And that's one of the reasons why we are tackling this subject in Grow as part of a church service. Because we wanted to say, hey, look, don't just get hooked up because you can get all of Pete's advice, but you're going to always be dragging on it if you're going, oh, I hate this. You know, what I really want to be doing, you know, I want to be the cool, the hip and all the rest of that. And I think you still can be, but um, I think that you, I know, Liz, that for a lot of young people, the whole idea of a tithe just sounds like a total, like, we don't believe in, in anything law or rules or I want to be free and do what I like and why won't God let me? Is that, do you think, uh, reasonable? Yeah, I think for, you know, our, our generation, it is a lot about na- nowadays there's all this sort of social justice, you know, freedom and, and you know, my choice and I get to choose what I get to do with what I have. Right. Uh, and I think tithing can be quite, um, you know, well, why do I have to give? Or why should I have to give? Um, And so, you know, the question of why we tithe is quite interesting because, you know, for me, I actually didn't start tithing until, you know, maybe a couple months ago. And to be honest with you, that was because I was just putting it off, to be completely honest, because I kind of forgot about it for a bit. And then I was like, oh, I should probably start that. And then I didn't do it. And then, you know, I should probably start that. You know, even when I... Did you find it hard when you did start? No. I actually, I honestly didn't. I just, I just forgot about it. And, you know, that's my own lack of organization. And, you know, I I still got a muddled brain because I'm a young person and thinking a thousand things all at the same time. Uh, But uh, yeah, (laughs) clearly, obviously. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, uh, I, as, as, as soon as I started, I realized, okay, this is, this is actually not you know, it's a big deal because yeah. uh, I'm giving and there, there's a purpose behind that, which is what I'm going to ask you about in a second, Peter. But um, it is also sort of, uh, it's it's actually not that big of a deal in the sense that it is something that's quite pure and quite um, lovely to just be able to give to God and know that every single, um, you know, time I get yeah, paid. There's people, though, who maybe are not, you know, walking with God or 
you know, that or don't believe the Bible or something. Do, do any of them ever ask you about that kind of stuff? You know, yeah, what does the church do with your money? Yeah, you interesting. Yeah, yeah, I had a few friends at uni who I guess were very sceptical about Christianity in general um, and in particular one of the things they always talk about is why is the church trying to take your money or every service they always seem to bring up money and they want to get your money. Mm. Um, fair and, question. Which, which is completely fair. Totally. I guess there's other areas where everyone, I guess I guess a lot in society these days, everyone's trying to get your money, whether that's through advertising, through video games, yeah, whatever right. it is. And everything we're exposed to, we're kind of raised to be, I guess, mistrusting that everybody wants something. Everybody wants something or wants money. Um, but I guess I always come back to is it's it's never been something that's forced upon me. It's not like they're saying you have to tithe to come to church. It's not yeah. like you, it's not a requirement or a necessity. It's something that's asked. And if it's coming from love and you see the value in it mm-hmm. and it's something you give freely um, and it, it's a choice I make because I want to, because I see the value in it um, and that I can kind of stand behind my past history of tithing and seeing God doing blessings in my life, wow. whether that's financial or non-financially. Um, and I guess I've never felt let down because of my tithing. Yeah, right. um, and that for me is the biggest thing that it's not about me, but God's always been there for me in whatever sense of the word. Um, and yeah, I think it's good to keep, keep doing that and I keep investing. One of the things that I've often remarked to people is to this day, I have no idea what people in this church give. And that was my deliberate choice uh, to not know. I'm sure if I wanted to, I could have found out. But I think it ought to be something that you choose to do, not something that you do out of obligation. I wouldn't know who tithes or doesn't in this church. Uh, And it's never been a prerequisite for will we help you or will we care for you. That's not what it's about. There's a great verse in Galatians that says the law or a rule is the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. In other words, it's like it's there to train us in something, but the, the training's not the end of it. The training is actually so that you can, it'd be the same as if you said, if you went on a diet, you know, the, the diet is not the, the end, end, the end of it is that you want to be healthier. Or if you start going to the gym, it's not about, you know, you've got to fulfill this regime every day or every week or three times a week, whatever it is. The whole idea is a healthier you. And so when it comes to our giving, God's not trying to get something out of you. He's trying to get something into you. So either the way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't need the finances, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, you know, I have, I've had some friends who respond in the same way as some of Danny's friends where, oh, they're always after your money. Well, we're a business. We've got to pay bills. We've got to open the doors. If mm. people didn't tithe, how would we, how would mm, we, true. How would we operate? Secondly, if the church closed its doors and some of these people saying, oh, I voted Labor because you know, there should be, the government should be doing more for the homeless and... Why don't you do something? Yeah, well. And if the church is all closed, the hopes of this world would all yeah. cease mm-hmm. to exist. And guess what? It's true. It would all, all go back on the government. There'd be just complete chaos. So mm. I don't think they really uh, understand what they're talking about, to be honest. It's an important question, though. And, uh, Gabby, you were uh, talking to me about just as a Christian what it means for a, a Christian to think differently about money. Yeah. Can you explain more yeah, about that? It's actually something that came from... Me and my friends, we like to have a lot of DNMs, mm. and one of the questions deep meaningful, deep and meaningful, exactly. <laughs> Just for some of you. Yeah, um, that's right. Um, yeah, you got to get on your feet. <laughs> yeah, no. So it came back to kind of we reflected on like, oh, what's the end goal of life? What are we going to do when we're thirty? And we're wondering about that. And then one of my friends, he's like, yeah, I don't need finances. Like, 
Sashi, you know, it doesn't matter. And this is coming from a non-Christian as well. Wow. So then we're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So then I kind of reflected and I was thinking, what separates me from, you know, taking care of my money and using it wisely versus, you know, doing it as a Christian? And because I know that, you know, living as a Christian, living a life as a Christian is very different to living it the way the world sees it, mm-hmm. even if, you know, I guess you live it as a good person, it's still yeah. different. Yeah, right. So I'd just be interested about how what Pete thought about that and I guess if you give an example of like when you got saved, did that change the way you wisely spent your money? I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so first of all, yeah, I um, as Jeff's preached before, mm-hmm. if you've got a lot, you can do a lot. If you don't, mm-hmm. you can't. So right. I think if we invest wisely <clears throat> and we become financially independent, then we can do more for the kingdom and do more for the homeless that mm-hmm. some of our friends want to help, etc., etc. So um, we can help a you know, wide range of different you know, charities and, and help people who may be um, less fortunate than us. Um, I've got a confession to make that prior to being a Christian, I, I'd classify myself as a tight boy. I mean that in a dis, um, disparaging sense. I was pretty careful with my finances, I'd have to say. And nice. like a lot of, I mean, Australia's regarded as being a, a pretty generous nation, and I'd say to a large extent that's true. But having said that and having poured through people's finances going for home loans, the number of deductions I see for um, donations to charity being two eights and that or you might see $20 to telephone and $2 to the Red Cross because they haven't been home and the Red Cross knocked on the door. So to that that extent, um, I think we could be a lot more generous. But anyway, I was a tightwad before I became a Christian. I'm, um, no, I'm not proud to say. Um, and so when I became... How did that start to change in you then, Pete? Because... Some of the things you guys were saying before about some things are just a habit, you know, like when you are a student, you don't have so much to be able to spend or throw around. And if you're not careful, once you start getting some, it can be easy just to go, whoo, here I go and off, rather than building good financial habits. How hard was it for you when you became a Christian to unhook from that tight kind of thinking and get a more generous because generosity is not in my opinion generosity is not just about how much you got in the bank or how much you get paid generosity is about a spirit Mm. you know it's about the way you think you know um the scripture says in in uh, proverbs he that has or she that has a generous eye very specific it's the way you see stuff Mm. so a generous person doesn't need to have a whole lot of money in order to be able to be a blessing to other people. I know that each one of you three, and and you, uh, you're serving, you bring your time, and you've done that when you were students. You might have had the money to bring, but you said, I'm going to be generous anyway. How long have you been in kids' church, Danny, serving there? Um, You know, and I'm sure there's a lot of work involved outside of, you know, just rocking up. You know, you're both in creative arts and the tech side of stuff. And again, there's responsibility with all that. So let me just ask you, was there a bit of a journey for you in going, all right, I'm going to dip my toe in the water, and then God began to change the way you think? Yeah, because I I think the first, probably the first couple of years I came, I think I had my um, old old attitudes when I used to go to Sunday school and... Mm. and, um, and from you know, being the bank, being disciplined, and you know, no, 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 I'm just going to spend my money on that. And so it took a, it took a while, and I think you know, I raised the story, um, I my story uh, about that 
first check I wrote out. I had the Kung Fu grip on that check. <laughs> so it's still haunting me. And, <laughs> and so, and, but before that, I was just, you know, I had five bucks, there you go, and just, you know, just tuck that in the offering as I went past sort of thing. So it wasn't significant to me. I wasn't consistent. If I didn't have five bucks, well, church didn't get it. So I'll just move on. And, um, but then, you know, Annette and I drew that line in the sand. Here's what we're going to do. And even then, it was still, I'd say it was still hard for 12 months or something. Oh. And then after a while, you just sort of, I know it might be like, I remember when I was in year nine at maths doing algebra and trigonometry and geometry, and I didn't get it. And it wasn't until the end, just towards, just about before exam time, something clicked and, <laughs> oh, duh, now I get it. And same with tithing, it just suddenly came into shape and then it became a lifestyle thing. It became, um, God opened my eyes to the opportunities that come with that. And so now, in addition to tithes and offerings, and um, Lynette and I um, uh, support um, quite a few different charities as well. But in addition to that, we're always looking for opportunities to, to bless others and and, um, mm. and it's it's more a yeah. bit of a nudging of the Holy Spirit. And so yeah. like one time we were in was it Wellington in New Zealand, we just having had a nice meal and just about to check out. And um and I saw a just a Kiwi family, two or three kids, and they were just laughing, having a great time, just to remind me of my time as a as a kid with mum and dad. And um and I said to guys, see that table over there, just um I just want to pay for them. He said, Oh, do you know them? I said, No, never met them before in my life. He said, Oh, well, that's pretty good. Said, oh, yeah, they seem like a nice family. I want to bless them. Don't tell them who it, who did it, and just paid and just walked out, and that was that. But and it it's was a like, different way of seeing, though. And lest anybody think that this whole session's about trying to get people to give us, and I, I just love exploring the very different mentality between the the fear based one. I think it is of going. I better be really, really careful. And we we are talking about being wise. But there's a difference between being wise and being fearful. Mm. There's a difference between saying, I better be careful. I'm planning to have, as you, you've said before, about having margin and having some put away, et cetera, and going, yeah, but gee, you know, I'm, I'm afraid the, you know, it's all going to go belly up on me. Mm. And then I think you said it best before where you go, you had a, a kung, what do you call it? A kung fu grip. Kung fu grip. I heard someone talk about once they, yeah, they had a hold of the coin so hard the the queen had a tear coming out the corner <laughs> of her eye, and uh, you know, and then you relax in it because that's what you said before about all of a sudden you start going, oh, I get it. Mm. And it's fair to say I was fearful, and you know, I had a uh, inward fear anyway, giving mm. giving that um, that amount Unless of money. Unless you need it never, later on. Correct. Yeah. Never. Thought, oh, because I was. I don't need to come out from being a bank joining. And yes, I was a bank manager, and contrary to popular opinion, bank, bank managers aren't all that very well paid. Right. Well, they weren't back then anyway. Um, so, and I look back now and I laugh when I, I saw the financial position I was in, and I thought I thought I was in dire straits, to be honest, but compared to others, I wasn't, but I thought I was. So, giving that, that you know, $300, I, yeah, it was anathema to me, really, and it wow. was completely just a U turn in my thinking. Wow. Mm. I think one of the, if we can, Move on a bit from that. Mm -hmm. I, I really want to get to Danny. One of your questions here, which I think is such an important question about, you know, what do I need to do? Do I need to build up a, a credit score? You know, um, the whole idea of jumping off. Is there a bit of fear with the whole idea of going? Hello, all of a sudden we're talking big numbers. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, and I guess a bit of context to that one is. Um, just turned 25, so I'm like, okay, I'm a proper adult now. I should probably start thinking more long-term. Um, and starting to see, I guess, people around me and friends and family, they're all 
have different objectives in life now, whether that's saving up for a house or they want to go traveling and different things they want to put their money towards. Um, and I guess there's a lot of talk about the housing market and everything. That's something I've started looking at a bit more. Um, but I guess you're trying to understand, is it is it better to, I guess, go really hard, really focused, laser focused for a year or two with like working on your savings and building the credit rating? Or is it, I guess, often better to work a bit more long-term, take it a bit more steady um, and kind of build up that deposit a bit more or try to just get into the market as soon as possible? Mm. So first of all, about the credit rating, I mean, there's a few old wives, <coughs> wives' tales out there about, oh, you just got to borrow money so you can get a, a credit rating. But, you know, you guys are all young. No one expects you to have a credit rating. And, and so you'd all be clean skin. So if I did, did a credit check on you, chances are you wouldn't have any credit inquiries on there at all. Or if you did, it might just be for a, a phone plan or something like that, which is no big deal. So that's, that's fine. Your, your credit record is clean. No bad debts or anything like that. Happy days. And you want to keep it that way because just something simple and the lamest of excuses where people have got a black mark, oh, yeah, I changed the address and I forgot to tell them. The bank says, well, that's your fault, bad yeah. luck. Uh, bob on, come back, come back when you're better. Um, so when, you, so when you're, you're young, no one expects you to, you shouldn't go out and borrow money for the sole purpose of trying to pump your credit rating up. If you, yeah. if you don't need to borrow the money, pay cash for it. That's, that's as hard as it needs to be. Where the bank might get a bit sus if you're, 40 or 50 and, there, and there's absolutely nothing on your credit record. And we did have one last year, I think it was. He'd never, he'd st- he was still living home with mum and dad, so that might explain yeah. it, but he was 45-odd, still living home with mum and dad, never borrowed money, not a credit card, nothing. And so the, the, we, had to, it, we had to sort of complete a bit of a war and peace <laughs> justifying where he had nothing on his yeah. credit record because I think this sounds a bit dodgy. And mm. so they were asking all these, all these questions about that. As far as... Um, How did that work out? In the end, we managed to convince the, the suspicious bank, Johnny, that was all kosher and wow. he got the loan. So wow, okay. How dare he have a clean credit <laughs> <laughs> well, What would you rather? Just have yeah. avoided so long. A million black marks on his credit record. But anyway, they were just being careful. Um, and in terms of, you know, first of all, going back to maybe our earlier conversation about, so when you first joined the workforce, I'll, catch, I'll cut you a bit of slack. I'm going to say get a budget and do that. You shouldn't be going around 24-7 thinking about money. Oh, far out of my budget, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to, yeah, right. I've got to make up for that because life's there to be enjoyed. So you just want to, don't want to be in stress city yeah. about the budget and your finances, etc. So when you're new to the workforce, as you said, Lizzie, you've got new money, and uh, more money um, that you've had before, I'd say for the first year or so, 18 months, go out and enjoy yourself, you know, get yourself a new wardrobe, get yourself some new Converse, save up and get your car, um, get yourself set up if you like. Right, I'm happy with where I am. That's really good. And now I can, I'm going to set about. I'm going to set some goals. Um, kind of, how do I go about saving that? How do I get to where I want to be? And then away you go from there. So at the moment, the market's turned where it's gone from maybe two or three months ago where it was FOMO, it was a fear of missing out. Yep. So now it's, it's gone to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, fear of paying too much anyway, whatever that stands for. Um, so fear of paying too much. So the market's cooled a bit. And with rising interest rates, consumer confidence has dived. So as a first home buyer, if it was me, I'd be, I'd, I'd be saving money as fast as I could because the chance that you know, property prices will soften, maybe in Perth not so much as in the eastern seaboard because the eastern seaboard, they've been um, rising for about the last five years. In fact, in Perth's case, property prices are back to about where they were in 2007 across the board. So they haven't really haven't gone anywhere. So, I mean, some suburbs are rocketed up, but others not so much. So I'd be saying save as much as you can, as quickly as you can, and then uh, when you're ready to strike, away you go. Cool. Yeah. Wow. 
again. What would you say, though, when you do... Because sometimes when you are, as is the case probably for Gabby and for Liz particularly, you don't really have a big financial goal at this point in time. You know, some people do. I've known people who are going, I'm going to own a house by the time I'm, I don't know, 20 or whatever, and have started that process. But that's pretty unusual. Most people aren't at that stage yet. What would you say to someone who goes, I really don't know, I'm not saving for anything in particular. Mm -hmm. Is there any point to my saving? Most people I've found wait until the burden or the pressure to need something comes and then they start engaging, you know, when getting their finances in order. Does that make sense? I think it's, yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I think it's always, it's a great habit to get into to save, just to cover if there are any future contingencies that, or unforeseen circumstances that might arise. And then later on when you um, are looking to save for a certain goal, then you've already developed that that good right. habit and you can just carry on where you were. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bad example. For example, um, for example, when I got transferred to Tom Price with a bank hundreds of years ago in 1982, <laughs> and I was, uh, my finances weren't good, let's put it that way. I had, I sold my car, so I got rid of the, I got rid of the car loan. I had a credit card with a $500 debt, that was to pay for my first stereo. And, um, <laughs> And I'd broken, broken up a fight from one of my mates and then I got king hit from behind, so I had my front teeth knocked out. So I had about a $2,500 dental bill I was paying back when I got transferred up to Tom Price. Yeah, well. So, and obviously not a brass rail zoo in the bank. But while I was up there, I actually had five part-time jobs in addition to working full-time in the bank. So I was a... Gracious. I, um, the, I used to clean, count all the pinball machines and pool tables to save a guy travelling all the way across from Caratha. So he gave me, I think it was 10 or 15% of the turnover from all the coins I used to count. Um, I was a cleaner for the bank working for the Tom Price Cleaning Service. I was a bartender <laughs> at the Tom Price Hotel. I was a waiter in the Tom Price Restaurant. I worked out at the Tom Price Wet Mess. And I was a gardener for the hotel as well. So about six oh, part-time jobs. Geez. So I was only on $3,000 a year, but in 18 months I saved $23,000. I spent $10,000 flying back and, back and forth to Perth to see my then-girlfriend. And, um, and I put a deposit down on a house, worked in the pub down here went, as well as working full-time in the... In the um, and the bank, and within two years, I paid my first household. So, wow. so I went from zero to hero in, in terms of acquiring a house um, in two years. So it can be done. Wow. Um, and then from there on, you know, I was that sort of stepped me up a bit. But wow. yeah, so you can pivot and U turn pretty fast. Wow. So, um, and I was able to pay for some new tea, so that's really good. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you're able to do that. Um, one other thing too, which touches on what, what Lizzie was saying, and it gets back to what I was saying about kids putting stress on themselves or even just adults in societies that we live in a, you know, instant gratification, I want it and I want it now, or she's got it, so I want it. But she might be in a better financial position than what you are, so you have to wait and bide your time and um, save up for that, whatever it might be that it is. And so, unfortunately, and banks were, um, banks used to assist people to get into financial strife, to be honest, because if you cast your mind back pre-Royal Commission Day, so only four or five years ago, You'd open up, you'd get a letter in the mail from the bank, congratulations, oh, we've yeah. just increased your credit card yeah. by another $20,000. Yeah. And think, oh, awesome, I didn't even ask for that. But anyway, people would go ahead and happy days. And I had, I mean, I can, I've got two people who stick in my head. They had, uh, one had 15 credit cards, one had 18 credit cards, all maxed out. And anyone want to guess how much they owed on those credit cards? More than what they got them $320,000 out on credit cards, paying 20% per annum. Oh, how dumb man. can you be? Anyway, wow. and, and so they came to us wanting to refinance those credit cards. 
guess how many banks ran a million miles away? <laughs> anyway, after a few months, we finally got it all sorted. But um, so credit cards and buy now, pay later aren't the aren't the answer. If you cast your mind back to two years ago when we we're having similar sessions to these, I was warning of the dangers of buy now, pay later because a, a high proportion of uni students and pensioners um, were taking them out. They could least afford them. The, there was no credit um, inquiries done. You didn't have to prove your pay or anything. Just sign here. There you go. It's, it's yours. And in the, la- the latest um, financial reports from those buy now, pay later companies, the vast majority of their income is coming from late payment fees. So what does that tell you? Wow. And also the very fact that Apple is now getting in on the buy now, pay later space tells you there's a huge amount of money to be made. So otherwise they wouldn't be getting into it. Having said that, the share, if you bought the share price of all those buy now, pay later companies is slumped because ASIC are looking to potentially, which would be a good thing, regulate them such that there'd be a lot more scrutiny would have to go into an application before they yeah. can actually give it to you. So, wow. so that would be a good thing. Let me just ask these guys again then, because I'm, uh, I'm in your age group, your generation, how much of that emotional pressure to buy or to have something, you know, things like afterpay, and I'm not against any of the, the things out there unless they want to come after me, but um, I mean, just how much of that pressure plays into you know, in your circles of people going, oh, I've got to, even if I can't afford it, I want it and I want it now. Hmm. There's, a, there's a bit of that. Um, I wouldn't say I'm one of them. I'm just like, nah, can't, it's all right. Just save it up for something in the future. Yeah, there, there is a lot of that in the in young people, though, and like the people I kind of know and especially, yeah, around the teens and like also in high school. When I was in high school, there was a lot of like, Oh yeah, I just got afterpay for like these brand new shoes. How much were they? Five hundred dollars. Where's the money? Oh, that's right, afterpay, mate. And I was like, okay. <laughs> 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 Who's gonna pay back the afterpay? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What does anybody do you know? I wouldn't have a clue. What's the interest rate if you default on an afterpay? Oh, it's more you pay late payment fees. Oh, okay. It's because they don't charge interest, but oh, okay. they don't. They're not covered by the Credit Act. Oh, really? Mm. So what's the late fee, like, say, on a $500? You got any idea? Uh, it depends. Like, I know, for, for the last example we did when uh, Bruce was on the panel, say, if you bought a $100 pair of, $100 pair of jeans and you are late, even if you were a day late, it was gonna, that $100 pair of jeans was going to cost you about $168, for example. Yeah, nice. So Whoa. Massive. And, and you can get this. This shows you the, the levels to which it's gone to. You can even um, use BNPL to pay for your rent. So if you... If you mm. If buy now, pay later. Buy yeah. now, pay later. So if you buy now, paying later, if you have to buy, use that to pay for your rent, I mean, next week, your next lot of rent comes around, you haven't even paid off last lot. So, I mean, yeah, that's, just well. a, that's just a highway to hell. That's why I think one of the things, we're going to have to draw this to a close. I really want to go in our next session and talk about particularly, you know, the whole climate of concern, fear, anxiety, worry, whatever you like regarding finance. And you guys are stepping into that in your next decade or so. I think that's going to become one of the big issues for young people is going, you know, how can I feel safe uh, with my finances? And that's one of the reasons we want to talk about it. But I think that emotional unhooking, Liz, you talked about the whole deal of tithing. Again, I think one of the greatest things that, well, that happens when you tithe, because the Bible says you put God first. Whenever you put God first, that automatically means everything else goes second. So that means your worries go second. That means your fears go second. That means all the, and that I think is the biggest benefit out of God's way of dealing with finance is that he wants to unhook you from either the need to impress other people around about you or be the fear of, 
you know, what, what can go wrong here? And as you uh, have talked about, you're putting your trust in God, which I think is just a massive uh, blessing that often doesn't get talked about because most people, most preachers, when they talk about tithing, they're talking about the windows of heaven being opened, the blessing, and I get that, but I think we too often miss the fact that the greatest thing is that you're putting your trust in somebody. Mm. You know, becoming a Christian is not about when I die, I go to heaven, though that's a pretty awesome blessing. It's really about going, I'm unhooking from trust in self and I'm hooking up with trust in God. Somebody who knows more than I know, somebody who's bigger than I'll ever be. And I, I, for me, I was only thinking about today, I was thinking about the awesome privilege you have of walking with God and being able to trust, which I think is a commodity being lost awful fast out of our society is the ability to trust anybody. We don't trust our politicians. We don't trust our scientists anymore. Uh, you know, the medical professional, all those things in the last couple of years have taken massive hits. Mm. And we end up with a, a whole community that begins to say, I don't trust anybody anymore. Mm. You know, the banks have been down the bottom, sorry to tell you, but the, <laughs> <laughs> anybody in the financial world has been down the bottom for a long well, time. We've been pillars of society. And yeah. Hey, yeah. hey Dregs. Well, you're, if you're a preacher, hello, I'm sorry. They, they've dropped a fair bit as well, and with some justification, I guess, but... I think God is wanting us all to get back to a point of going, who are you going to put your trust in? Yeah. Just w while we're talking about that, and just we'll, we'll come back in our session next month. I'd love to pick this up again with you three. Thank you all for coming. Thank you, Peter, again for your words of wisdom. And thank you three for really thinking so well with some really great questions. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but... We want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask again, Peter, if you would, just to pray for particularly people that are, it's not like they're older and have made all their mistakes and learned the hard way, but we don't want our younger people, our young adults, we don't want them learning the hard way. Mm. We want them to go, let's get some wisdom in there right up front. So if you wouldn't mind, if you'd pray for them, and I'll talk to them, everyone after that. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for all the youth of our church and the youth in our society. Um, at the moment, uh, uni students are all going through their exams, so we, we pray and wish them wealth in their exams and we cut off any stress or um, strife there, Father. We also pray that, um, that tonight's helped to impart some wisdom uh, for them and um, we pray that going forward, Lord, that they're wise with their, um, uh, with their budgeting, wise with their monies, um, they place their faith and trust and hope in you, um, knowing that uh, you have plans to give them hope and plans to give them a future. And if they, um, if they muck up and fall over, Lord, you're there to dust them off and pick them up and to lead the way. So we thank you for that, Father. Um, we just pray for, yeah, for wisdom in finances and um, whatever goals they set for themselves that they achieve them, they smash them out of the park, Lord. And um, we look forward to uh, just seeing how, how our youth turn up. We know you've got mighty plans for them. And um, uh, we really do look forward to seeing how they all turn out. We know they're going to be mighty warriors for you. And for that, we pray in your precious name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, everyone. If you, hey, listen, before we go, uh, I just want to talk to you for a quick minute about your life with God. I meet people all the time who think they're a long way from God. I was talking with some people just recently where they've kind of closed the door a bit because of maybe some people that they've met who haven't represented Jesus very well. Uh, at least in their perspective of it. And yet still within their heart, 
there is a desire for God. I believe that's inside of every human being. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men and women. There's something inside of you that's never going to be satisfied until you come into a relationship with God. I guess for so many people, particularly in this country, though, they kind of tend to feel a bit like I've got to get there first. I've got to become somebody that God might like when the reality is that Jesus died and took your place and God will take you from whatever starting point you've got. If you're at the starting point where you're really doing great and life is zooming along, that's brilliant, but he still wants to take you on and still wants to walk with you. Or maybe you're at the other end of the spectrum and things are so tough and so difficult. Maybe you're so broken that you think, I don't think I could ever get out of this. But I would say to you that Jesus wants to come in and to be Lord of your life. He said, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. He said, I want to come in and I want to live with you. And that begins with you saying yes to Christ. Up there on the screen for you right now is the number for yes text, 0488826392. If you're in Australia, use that number. Or if you're outside of Australia or you'd prefer to get our help via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're with us on Metro Church Online, the yes button's there for you as well. But any one of those ways, you can bring your yes to Christ. What'll happen after that is that the very next day we receive your yes, we will start sending you a Bible verse. It's different every day, a prayer different every day. We'll do that for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like, but we would love to be a part of encouraging you in your journey with Christ, helping to support you. We guarantee we'll never spam you. We'll never write and ask you for money. We simply want to be a part of blessing you. And thank God for all the people in this church that continue to make it possible for us to do all those things. So please send in your yes, your yes text, 0488 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. And uh, you're welcome here anytime in any service of Metro. I know that next Sunday night, if you're watching this in the fourth week, of July, I know that uh, the next Sunday night is Presence, again with Reverend Dr. Michael Battersby leading us. The last one was so brilliant. Uh, and I know that'll be a great place. And you'd be welcome that that's at 5 p.m. next Sunday night. But you're welcome at anything here at Metro. We look forward to serving you, welcoming you, and blessing you. Thank you for being a part of this session of Grow. We'll be back next month with another session.